Hera searches for her missing friends. Anakin teaches his Padawan one final lesson. A path forward is forged and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap part five of Ahsoka. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys podcast, recapping the most monumental episode of Ahsoka yet. Part five came out last night and took the internet by storm once again. And one of your hosts, Mike Phillips, joining today as always, the man whose voice you hear in the narration every single week. He's part of Carson Tava's uh, X-wing free Pete Constantine right here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Uh, it keeps popping up, so I figured I'd dress like him a little bit. Uh, shout out to Angelo for the uh, pilot shirt, but uh, great to be here. Really excited to talk about this episode. Yep, also here with us today, the commander of our 501st Battalion, Nick Freyetta, is here. Nick, how are you? Also doing great. Uh, I got this shirt from Haynes, <laughs> and I'm excited to talk about a great episode. Yep, also here today, great guest of the great friend of the podcast. Let's talk to him during Andor. Joe Simone is here. Joe, how are you? Hey, fellas and everybody. How's it going? I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be here and talk about a great episode, and let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely here. And people who have not gotten your thoughts yet on the season, I know you're a big Star Wars guy. How are you feeling about Ahsoka? Oh, um, I'm loving it so far. I thought last episode was one of the best ever made in the Disney Star Wars era. Um, I just uh, I'm looking for more great content going forward. Yeah, so are we here. And Pete, people want to subscribe to us. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Search for the Sky Guys here podcast platforms. Find all episodes there. So make sure you check us out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Nick, people want to follow social media. I'm going to do that. Uh, Nick, you there? I think you lost the mute. I did lose the mute. <laughs> so yeah, Scott, we're at Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's on Threads, and it's on TikTok. Yep, you can also check out the YouTube version. Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the podcast is up there as well. And Joe, we always bring the props every week here. So Lego Ahsoka, I promise next week I'll have a new build for the podcast. That's a really sweet one. Should I, should I grab a prop here? Oh, I got one. Yeah. Prop. yeah, bring the prop out. So we got the Ahsoka. Funko. Ahsoka Funko. Uh, yeah, amazing. I picked this up a while ago. I have a little Star Wars going on. Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure here. I don't think I have that one. Yeah, I don't think Nick will figure it out later here, but I also mentioned here again, as always, that we're recording this podcast on the 2023 WGA and SAG after strikes, not the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike. We are not having a Soka show, so support to those guys here. And Nick, not much of the news department this week. No, no, I was going to go through it pretty quickly, honestly. Um, so, in terms of Disney Park news, Hera and Chopper are going to be added to Galaxy's Edge for a limited time. I mean, they, excuse me, not going to be there. They are at Galaxy's Edge for a limited time. And in the future, not uh, next year, not sure exactly when, Ahsoka is going to be on the Star Tours ride. And then in the LEGO news, LEGO has released the Ultimate Collector Series of the Venator-class clone assault ship. So, I'm not the LEGO guy here. I believe Pete is, well, so are you, Mike, but I believe Pete's more of the Lego guy between the two, the two of us, at least, me and him. So, Pete, what do you think of this ship? Pete? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I have to see what the price point is. I don't know if I've seen a release price point. I do know that Lego Star Wars and specifics and also any um, licensed brand that Lego has to work with is a little bit more expensive uh, per piece count. Piece counts under 6,000 pieces, so I'm hoping that it's in the... $400 range like the new Disney castle is because that's a little bit lower than 6,000 pieces for some reason with the licensing though I'm, I'm seeing that probably going into the $600 range I'm hoping it's not that though I have, but it looks pretty cool I have the okay one second here I have the set on my thing so give me one second to just close this out real quick I do have the price point there and Pete you're not gonna be happy at the price point unfortunately so let me let me guess 700s 649.99 yeah, see that—that's the issue with the license stuff, right? So the license they have to pay that licensing fee. I think that's what brings it up. Uh, but the piece counts low for for something that's Ultimate Collector Series, in my opinion, only five thousand three hundred. So I think this may not sell as well, um, you know, especially to the non-Star Wars community. Um, but uh, but yeah, now we'll we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, there's a, there's a price drop in Lego soon. Things have been getting a little way too expensive. 
Plus, only two minifigures in there, Rex and uh, Admiral Yularen, the only two that come with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big piece. It's definitely, you know, the dimensions are definitely there. It's just the, the, the piece count for price is a little bit unjustifiable. All right, so is that all we got, Nick? That's it. That's it for the news. Let's get on to the episode. Yep, so we're getting into this episode here. General thoughts on the on our favorite episode of the series so far, I think Shadow Warrior here. So, uh, Joe, as the new guy on the panel here, what did you think last time you were watching it? I um, loved it from the, the first rip here. It's a very familiar vibe. You know, her on the ghost. Um, definitely a few crew members short of the ghost squadron here, but it's nice to see Jason Sandula sitting up front um, with her mom and Chopper and, you know, doing the whole thing, you know. But Floyd definitely had to go straight into the hyped up portion of the episode. Um, you know, the second coming of Space Jesus, Anakin Skywalker himself. And it seems might even be better than the Kenobi series itself. But, you know, starting early. Yeah, that's for sure here. And uh, Nick Fred, I don't know if you saw a message last night. I said to Pete in our group chat after I watched the episode. This felt like a love letter to anybody who watched the animated series, especially with the flashbacks in the World Between Worlds. It was, and I also think that it done just enough to explain people who haven't seen it. I think that if you haven't seen it, you're still, as long as you know the Clone Wars exist, and as long as you know that, like, Ahsoka did leave Anakin, which you should know if you just saw the movies, then you'll understand what we were looking at. So they did a great job paying a love letter, like you said, to the animated fans, but at the same time, those who have not seen the stuff did not feel lost in the dark. Plus, I mean, they did mention earlier in the show, in, in this very show, I think it's episode one or two, she basically said, like, I never finished my training with Anakin, so if you already knew that, you just watched the show. True, yeah. And as long as you do, all you have to know is the Clone Wars existed. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yep. Uh, Pete, what did you think about the episode last night? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think, you know, I think Joe and Nick kind of summed it up. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that we're going to get to. Um, but I, this show has been just unstoppable for me. I mean, this is going to be probably the best Disney Plus show, uh, in my opinion, so... Even better than Andor. I would say so. Yeah, we can discuss it. We can discuss it later. Uh, I, I want to get to the, the the little little topics of, of our discussion today. That's definitely a postseason discussion point is wh- where this ranks on the list of the uh, for sure. Uh, yeah. So let's get into this episode here. We'll start. We're going to break it up the three areas here. So bouncing back and forth. We do all the Hera stuff first. Then we're going to go into Ahsoka and Anakin, the world between worlds, and then we're going to pick up where we go chronologically through the rest of the episode after she gets rescued from the water. So I think it's the best way not to get like sidetracked with too much of one or the other here. So I will start out here. I'll point out, I think the intro here, I did think this was a great choice, Pete, to have these beautiful shots of Seattle's as they were calling it. And it's actually pronunciation of the planet. Like, all of these beautiful, colorful shots, like no sound, just the natural music, seeing the aftermath of last week. That was definitely a really cool way it starts off. Yeah, I think it resets the momentum of the show very well. Um, I think it really gives it that midseason um, second second half start. You know, I think it gives it a really great pacing. And I think the reset is what we needed, especially after all we saw with Balin and, uh, and Ahsoka the episode prior. So uh, I agree with you. I think there were beautiful shots, great establishing shots for, for the next half of the season. Yeah. And Joe, I did love the moment like when Hera lands and like she and Chopper and Jason are looking around and she finds uh, Hu Yang in the corner, like holding Sabine's helmet. Like he's like basically like mourning. He thinks that both of them had died. And he's like, I just told them to stay together and they never listened. And they were so much better together. I felt bad for Hu Yang in that moment. Yeah, it definitely echoes, you know, that of um, R2 on the Battle of Mustafar, you know, just lost everything basically and you know joints don't obviously have feelings but it seems like they kind of do have attachments so it's very sad at this point yeah nick what do you think about the introduction of the episode here i completely agree with pete it really resets the series and it feels like and it's like well this is like like he said the mid-season finale like i if i had watched this show years in the future and you told me yeah, between episode four and five, there was actually a six month break. I would have believed you. Like that would have that would have made perfect sense if they did something like that. Like that's what it seems like. And I completely agree with Pete. And it was a, a great way to set off the show because it shows like, all right, here comes the second half of this show. Yeah. 
that was a lot of fun here. And then we see like later on, we see that that Jason and uh, Chopper hanging out here. Carson Tava arrives, gives Nick another point in the character draft, and he basically says, "Hey, you know, Senator Organa is covering for us, but we can't wait too much longer here." Did you appreciate the call out to uh, Leia, Pete? I did, and I think I think it went through everyone's minds, not just mine, that I thought maybe we would see her. Uh, even if it was a hologram. Um, not surprised that we didn't, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't see uh, Leia. I don't want this to be too oversaturated with, with I don't want to say fan service, but, you know, again, love letter to to Star Wars fans, you know, prior to the show. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a really cool callback. I think it's, and it, I think it's warranted. I don't think it's, like, forced. Yeah, Joe, I think uh, Dave Filoni has shown that he's not mastered the balance of getting you the callbacks in without overloading you with like too much nostalgia like where i think if we had seen uh cgi zombie leia it would not have worked but i think just the reference to her is enough yeah absolutely and he's definitely you know introducing his his own characters and you know people that we know from his content of star wars and i think um you, you hit it right on the head here that um you don't want to you know bring in too much and keep that balance if you will. Yeah, that's for sure here. And while this is going on, and then we find out all sorts of stuff is going on here, Jason Sindula is sitting on by the edge of the stone of Stonehenge there and sees his, I hear something in the water. This is very strange. And then Nick Pratt, we do get a moment where we see that he's like, listen, I can hear lightsabers in the water. And then we see, we get the great audio cue of the lightsabers clashing from a fight that's happening in the world between worlds we'll get to in a minute. And Hera sits there, and I think that she either A, hears it herself, or B, believes her son and says, they're down, they have to go find them. Like, nice to get official confirmation that Jason Sindula is a Force-sensitive child and he inherited his father's uh, Jedi asterisks. Sure. Yeah, I, I think Hera can hear it as well, and I think that's one of the messages that this show is putting out, that everyone can use the Force. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that it's they've made it clear that there are some that are stronger with the force. There are some who force comes naturally to, which I think is what we used to consider as force sensitive people like Jason in this example, or Anakin, Ahsoka, whatnot, any Jedi really, but everyone can, it's not, you know, uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, if they were to, it's untapped potential and it's a different way of getting it out of everybody, I guess. And I guess they just haven't found it. I don't know why I brought up uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, but I guess it's possible for them. Yeah, I think the way that they also wrote this by Dave Filoni is very natural, too, in terms of, like, where Jason hears it first, and then he tells his mom, hey, this is what I hear, and then she listens, and then she hears it. I think that was very clever. Yeah, I think it would have been cheap if she just automatically started hearing it, and you wouldn't you wouldn't get the, the sense that it is something that, you know, Jason's using, you know, force-wielding abilities or whatever, you know, to, to hear it, and I think it gives Jason a little bit more... I don't want to say credibility, but it's 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 more like you you kind of give Jason that trust of okay he can hear things that his mom can't maybe maybe he has something going on here maybe he he can help uh, and I think like I said we've all said it, it's organic right it's not really forced or anything like that and it, it makes sense yeah Jason has some agency basically in in this game yeah sure yeah and Joe we do also see that this is enough to convince Hera hey like we need to keep looking for them so then we see throughout the episode that. The X-Wings are basically going through, like, runs over the water to try and find them. Chopper apparently is closed in a location that he's picked up. And what's going on here? We do have a fun conversation in the ship between Hera and Hu Yang. Where we haven't seen these characters together before this episode here. And Hera is like, hey, like, I, my career could be over. Like, I don't know if I'm making the right choices. And Hu Yang basically gives her, gives her the positive affirmation that she has done well with her leadership skills. What do you think about that combo? Yeah, I thought it was great. It definitely gave more depth as we're seeing into Hu Yang, you know, the the droid who was part of the Jedi Order himself. You know, I'm not a knight, but a you know, uh, training tool, and they he taught everybody how to make a lightsaber, and he's got all the blueprints. You know, it goes back to he might be you know more than a droid. You know, he has attachments and greater feelings, and maybe he's you know some sort of crazy AI or something. Yeah, that's for sure here. And Nick, what do you think about like who yeah, basically like calling out the fact that, like, hey, like you're like like you have like great instincts, like you're like the mother like you're like a mother to them in terms of that. I did think it's something we've mentioned multiple times in the podcast. Yeah, Hera the mom. Yep. 
Aaron's the mom of the show. And then he also, uh, there's a little bit of a conversation there about um, Ahsoka's master. He says uh, he was very intense. Yeah. That's a perfect way to describe him, I guess, if you're from his point of view. Yeah, something that we, the audience, see like, in the world between worlds as well. We're about to get there. Yeah, let's let's get let's head over there now. Here, unless Pete wants to add. Let's anything. get there. Yeah, unless Pete wants to add anything. No, I'm I'm pretty excited about the world between worlds stuff. So, yeah, let's go ahead to the world between worlds here. We'll start out with like we pick up basically right after where last week ended with Anakin calling out to Ahsoka here, and we get a little bit of exclamation from Anakin here where he basically says, "Hey, like, like you," she says, "like you." lost her fight with Balin's like good you remember he says you still have a chance to live and you I have one final lesson for you here so uh Pete this is sort of confirm our theory a little bit that like Ahsoka may not have like died but like she certainly may be on the way to death when she has the world between worlds for sure I mean Anakin explains it like you said you know it's if you if you want to live you got to do this um so there is definitely in my opinion no question anymore she's in between almost like a purgatory if you will um and and it works. It was great. Yeah, and Nick, I think it also answers our Anakin question as well because this is a sort of like forced to mention the world between worlds and like this basically is Anakin's force spirit, but like it is like doing different things to try and get what he wants out of Ahsoka. Agreed. It's a little different than a force ghost, but it kind of is a force ghost. A little hard to explain in that in that sense. A little confusing, but I actually think you're missing the point on. Ahsoka having a chance to live. I don't think he means like you're either going to die or you're going to live. Yes, that's what he means. But I think really what it means is that Ahsoka has been cruising in life. And if she's going to survive, she has to live for the, the beauty of life and the excitement of life. So like you've seen Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. She was a very happy go lucky, happy go lucky person. Now you could say that's because she was a teenager. Maybe so. You've seen her ever since Rebels. She's been more of a mellow very to herself, very private. All she has in life is Huang and her ship, and she's completely fine with that. She has no attachments whatsoever, and I think Anakin's telling her, you're not living right now. If you want to live, that's the test you need to pass, is to prove me that you want to live. And at the end of the episode, we obviously will get there later on, but you can see when she's in the ship with uh, Huang, he's like, so we're going to go find them, and he's like, I don't know. We'll see. Like she's at that moment, it kind of reminds me of the old Ahsoka. She's very happy-go-lucky. I think that's the lesson that was taught to her. It's that if you're going to live, you're going to actually live your life, not like you're going to live or die. Yeah, and Joe, I do think it's something we get to more as we get deeper into her flashbacks of the Clone Wars that Anakin induces sort of this whole idea. Like when like the whole whole Anakin turn thing happens, she blames herself a lot for not being there she thinks hey maybe i could have made a difference if i was still around and, and kept him on the right path and sort of that guilt sort of led her to close herself off to other people yeah for sure you know kind of mirroring uh the trial that canon jars felt um himself um you know to become a full blown jedi knight you know had to complete his training you know made him a, you know a better warrior or a better you know person that is you know personally i thought um anakin pulled him out pulled ahsoka out of um what was going on like arizona did but regardless you know anakin is great yeah it's great we do get a lightsaber duel here between them pete and i do think love the comment here and she's like i will not fight you and she's like i've heard this before so basically alluding to the fact that luke would not fight him as darth vader yeah, that was super cool. And I have to say the uh, the lightsaber work by Hayden Christensen is is just top tier. Yeah. Uh compared to everything that we've seen lightsaber wise in I'll even say the sequels. I mean, I feel like this is this is a true depiction of the the power of Anakin and like he hasn't missed a beat, I'm telling you. It was really, really cool. Yeah, Joe, I love how he did the lightsaber spin behind his back move that we saw in episode three. We got to got that again here. The signature Hayden Christensen lightsaber twirl. I mean, it's amazing. You watch the videos of him practicing, uh, you know, before production of, you know, Revenge of the Sith. It's kind of his signature move more than uh, Darth Vader. And I think the whole thing is just breathtaking. Yeah. And then we see here that she's like, oh, like, I got you. He's like, not yet. And then he slashes the floor. She falls down into a memory, which is. A little weird to explain here. So basically, this is 
old Ahsoka's mind and young Ahsoka's body in the flashback to Nick. You want to explain what where we went first in the flashbacks? I think we went to Ryloth. I think you're correct. They saw the, uh, the Twi'leks there, but uh, it, it's actually a battle from the Clone Wars. From season one, I believe. Um, I mean, obviously. I mean, from the show is what I meant. Yeah, from season one. I believe it's, I saw it earlier. I believe it's episode 19. It is. Storm over Ryloth is what they're referring to. Which it's is, not necessarily the same episode, like the same thing happened, but it basically is that Ahsoka um, endangers her team by making a wrong decision, putting them in danger. And that's exactly what you see in this episode. And it's so cool. I, by the way, I said this to, to Joe when we were watching, when we were doing the group watch, and you, know, you couldn't make it, Mike. You were watching the uh, the Amazons. Behind the plate. But, yeah, you were at a great, you had some great seats to that Mets game. Yeah. But, um, I said to Joe uh, the whole time, I'm like, don't these flashbacks remind you so much of Infinity War? Yeah. Do you remember, like, the, the Thanos Gamora flashbacks? Yeah, it's the same actors, too. I didn't then I realized they're the same actors. Yeah. I didn't realize that at the time. I was like, this reminds me of Infinity War. And then I realized it at the end, and I was like, wait a minute. And I looked it up, and I was like, same actress. No wonder. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really cool to see. Uh, we finally, we've been saying this for how long? We wanted to see a Clone Wars flashback. You know what I mean? In live action. And we got, we it, right, in live action. And we got it. You see Anakin with the armor on. The hair is a little bit shorter. You see Ahsoka as a child. And you see that she failed there. And she's blaming herself for what happened to the troops. She put a lot of people in danger. I mean, I don't want to say she should blame herself, but I mean, it kind of was her fault. But uh, it's a, the lesson to be learned here is that if war and things are going to happen like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will also point out here, Nick, we did cover this episode of Soka 101. So good. So if you listen to that show, you might have, you should have picked it up. Uh, did I cover it? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I don't remember, but I guess I did. Yeah, so you covered that episode specifically for season one. So we did that. It was in that podcast, Soka 101 podcast. So that got uh, in. Soka 101, season one. I don't believe it was Clone Wars movie and season one. So go back yeah. and take a listen to it. Yeah, we talked about that episode in there here. And uh, Joe, I did love all the callbacks visually to that that era of it with Ahsoka having the green lightsaber. We had the clones in their like first iteration of armor before they changed to in, later in the Clone Wars. And we have we do see Rex in the background. Though Rex talks later on in the episode, so it's hell that like Filoni really has his finger on the pulse. Like, okay, here's what like is cool, and like these are cool moments. I want to make sure I have the details correct. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the best errors in Star Wars timeline, the Clone Wars. We got the the, the movie, the TV show, and the movie again, and then. You know, we're kind of always tapping into what the people want. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure here. And Pete, I'll also point out here, I think one of the things that's much more effective about putting this sequence in live act opposed to animation is that, like, seeing the actress portray her is, like, I believe she's 16 years old in real life, supposed to be playing a 14-year-old. Like, seeing basically a literal child in the middle of a gigantic battlefield and seeing, like, Oh, the Jedi like power is basically child solar at this point. Like that's like very traumatic experience for like someone like Ahsoka to have gone through. And Pete lost the mute, I think. Every time, man. <laughs> uh yeah, for sure. I uh I think it was you see that, right? You see it in, in her face and you can see that she made the wrong the wrong decision and she's going through all those memories. So yeah, it's definitely traumatic, especially for for uh I don't know what, what Ahsoka is. I forgot what the race is, but for that alien race, I yeah. guess, that age. I don't know. I don't know how you would say it. Yeah, but Nick, I think my big point was sort of like, hey, like, this is a literal child who, like, is in literally leading a bunch of grown clones in the war and, like, having to deal with the fact that, like, some of her men are dying in front of her face. Yeah, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. what we're dealing with. That's the, that's the point here is that she's so young that she doesn't understand. That, I mean, I mean, it's really hard for anyone. It doesn't matter how old you are. To see that, to see many people, you know, to see a lot of dead bodies, see a battlefield. That's that's an adjustment for anyone, but especially someone at a young age. I believe you said a fourteen year old, right? Yep. So you gotta teach a fourteen year old that it's okay to see dead bodies and you need to lead anyway and, you, and that's how you survive the war. Like that's that's not a hard lesson to learn. But I guess I mean I'm not in the army or anything and never was, but I guess that is a lesson that just kind of talked to you when you're in the armies. Your brothers are not going to be with you all the time. Some of them might be gone, but you have to carry on. 
Yeah, and Joe, I also did love the fact that, like, Anakin is, like, Clone Wars Anakin, where he's, like, wisecracking and, like, making jokes, trying to keep the morale high. And she's like, how can you joke at a time like this? And he says, like, look, like, like this is who I am. Like, this is, like, what has to be done. Like, you don't want to be down the dumps the whole time. Sort of telling her, like, you got to find the best in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is probably one, as you guys alluded to, one of the first times Ahsoka, you know, saw full-fledged war there. And, you know, Anakin got a taste of that fairly young, not, not by Master Yoda standards or anything, but, you know, with the invasion of Naboo, he was right off the bat a warrior. And she's kind of has to adjust to the life where Jedis are now soldiers, you know, since the time of the Jedi Mandalorian war, Jedis and, you know, Padawans were peacekeepers, protectors of the galaxy, their galaxy. Now she's got to step up and lead an entire battalion. Yeah, that's for sure here. And I did love the shot at the end, Pete, when like Anakin storms forward into battle, we get the little flashes of light and we see, it switches from him to Darth Vader, then back to him at the end of that. That stuff was cool. Oh, for sure. I mean, little Easter eggs like that and just shots. It's a beautiful shot. Filoni did a fantastic job with that. I just think it, I think it makes it just 10 times cooler because you're still seeing that like side of Anakin because he's starting to, you know, he's starting to turn in Clone Wars. We see that kind of anger in him. You see that kind of, I'm going to do things not the Jedi way. So it makes sense that they would do it, especially in this sense. Yeah, and I do also, Nick, I'll wrap up this section here because she asked Anakin at one point, like, what do I want to do if I don't want to fight? And she's, and he says, you'll die, which is, I think, a nice little foreshadow to like what's coming later in this uh, episode. True, and also what he says is true. Like, if you're in war and you're not giving it your all, like, if you're on the football field and you're half-assing it, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Like, you need to go, if you're, in, if you're on the battlefield, you need to be prepared to fight or you're done. Yeah, that's for sure here. And then we get another flash forward here we get into the siege of mandalore from the final arc of clone wars here we get to see ahsoka with her twin lightsabers captain rex is in as he actually talks uh joe how cool is to see the actual maldalorian like in live action amazing uh definitely one of the best episodes of the entire clone war series definitely the final se uh, season she's a true warrior here tearing through you know mandalorian uh you know she's an absolute unit at this point and she's more of a soldier than anything and has gone through everything it's just crazy yeah and pete i also like the fact that like we did actually get to hear tem morrison voice rex and i guess to your point in the character rec, we'll get to that later on but like I understand. I think, like, this is a Filoni choice, I think, to not have to, like, show D-Age Rex in there in terms of this, in terms of the episode. But I do think this worked pretty well to actually get the shout-out to this character who's been very pop and popular and important in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I think Ahsoka doesn't really have the budget that maybe Mandalorian does just because it's a brand-new show. First season, we don't know how it's going to go. Um, so they probably need to make those executive decisions, especially when it comes to the de-aging. I'm not sure what kind of budget they have to put into that, but I'm sure it's a lot of man hours, right? Um, but I think it was the right decision. I don't think we need to see the actor. I think just hearing his voice was perfectly fine with the armor. I think that's all we needed, and I think it worked well. Yeah, also we'll bring in a feedback question that was sent to us on Twitter by Vincredible underscore 23, because we're on the topic of the de-aging here. He asks us, how do you guys feel about the VFX in this one, particularly with the de-aging on Anakin? I felt it looked a lot better here than they did in Kenobi. So, Nick, you want to weigh in on that? I completely agree. I honestly looked like it was from 2005. I thought it was, like, especially with not the flashback scenes. I mean, those were good, too. I'm not saying they weren't. But, like, those scenes within the World Between Worlds, when he was, like, Anakin, like, episode three looking Anakin, he basically looked spot on. Yeah, and Joe, I know there was Christmas online last week about, like, the way it looked at the end of the episode, I think that may have just been the lighting of the scene. Because I think, like, when we saw him in the battle and we saw Hayden Christensen pop up in this scene as well, like, he looked, like, very, very similar to what he looked like in 05. Yeah, that was, that was spot on. I mean, all the flashback sequences, the cinematography was great. Um, it's just absolutely a well-done job by the whole cast and crew uh, down the line. 
Yeah, and I also point out here for all your listeners here, if you want questions answered by us on the podcast, feel free to we're gonna leave forms on the uh, leave posts on the on the socials prior to the episode recording. So you want us to answer your questions, leave them there. But we'll go ahead here to fun moment here, Pete, when Akin just shows rolls in and he's like, "Hey, like I wasn't here before. This looks like a cool battle." And we do get this conversation about the legacy of the paddle of this line of Jedi with Agatha saying, Hey, I taught lessons to, from Obi-Wan to you. And she's like, your legacy is more complicated because of the death and destruction you end up leaving behind. So like, I did think this is a very important conversation for sure. And I think it, not to say it airs out during laundry, but I feel like these are the conversations that we're never able to have because Ahsoka walked away from the order. Right. And no fault of her own. I mean, we understand why we can, we can talk about that later, you know, probably after the podcast and how that affected the show here. Um, but yeah, I think it's very important. I think the fact that they get to hash that out and we can actually hear a conversation about it is pretty cool for the fans to see and hear. Uh, Nick, what do you think about that conversation? Um, it's good. Uh, honestly, I don't have anything to add. To be honest. So Pete, talk about your points. Yeah, no, I have nothing to add. Pete, good job. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so that's that's going on here. Then we see that like. Another fight starts up here where Anakin breaks out a red lightsaber. He starts fighting her, and then mm. he ends up knocking her out of the flashback back into the world between worlds to get Rosario Dawson back in here. And Joe, another great shot here. When we see him coming out of the mist, he's flashing between Anakin and Vader, and we have the cybernetic voice mixing in with Hayden Christensen's voice, and we have the Vader music playing a little bit. That was really cool, too. Yeah, I mean, it's... I feel what everybody's been waiting for this whole time, even on the the orange Sith eyes, you know, just pure rage. And I think that's the final lesson here, you know, as Luke had to do on um, his own training with Yoda, you have, you have to step into the darkness and come out and not give in to the rage and the hate, which is the Jedi way. That's for sure here. And I do think, uh, Nick, very fun also, like another uh, callback to Rebels, actually, the fight between Ahsoka and I can do that pose, like, when she's holding her two lightsabers up like this, and he's got the red one on top, and literally a shot-for-shot recreation of, like, one of the iconic moments in the Twilight Apprentice fight. Definitely was. Definitely was. And I gotta say, I, I, um, I've been wanting to see Anakin, not Vader, I mean, it is Vader, but you know what I mean, suitless Vader with a red lightsaber since I was like 12 years old. I always thought that was going to happen in the movie. And then when it didn't, I was upset, although it made a lot more sense that it didn't because Obi-Wan put the saber, it made perfect sense, but I always wanted to see him with a red saber and to get to see that finally. So that was really cool. And it was also, it was Anakin's lightsaber, but it was red. Yeah. Which is just really cool. It wasn't Vader's lightsaber. It was Anakin, which is really just awesome. Like imagine he kept the lightsaber and he corrupted the crystal to make it red. That's what like would have happened. Yeah. And um, also, I think the way that Ahsoka wins this fight, I could be wrong because they don't really show it. But like, if you look at the motions, it looks similar. I think she did the same move that Anakin did to Dooku in episode three. Obviously, she didn't cut his hands off, but um, the same move to like get the lightsaber out of his hands. It looked like she did the same thing, but the camera angle doesn't really allow you to see it. Yeah, P, it's like a disarming thing in Harry Potter. Harry Potter tries to disarm Voldemort as opposed to, like, kill Voldemort directly, and the redirect makes ends up being the job. Yeah, and I mean, I think another cool part of that is is you kind of see she kind of has a little bit of the Sith eyes, too. Um, I didn't catch that at first. I kind of saw it on Twitter. Um, and, you know, maybe it's an interpretation that's incorrect of what the director was trying to go for, but it it's it's a cool scene, um, but the disarming, it, it makes sense for Ahsoka. She's not going to go and kill someone who's a, already dead, but also she's probably, she's not in the business of that, right? Yeah, and Joe, I think this moment's important, too, where she has taken Anakin's lightsaber, she's holding it to his neck, you see the red Sith eyes where, like, she basically has a choice here, it's like, do I just kill off the presence of my master, just, like, completely give in to, like, this, like, wellowing existence I have, keep blaming myself for what happened, or just choosing to move on and live, and I think the line, I choose to live, I think means a lot here coming out of her. Yeah, I mean, like I said it before, it's the ultimate test for a Jedi is to not give in and ultimately be the better adversary. And I was thinking the same thing, Nick, of the the disarming of Dooku is 
almost the same thing where he lunges forward and she kind of grabs it. And it definitely paid homage to that, bringing the lightsaber up to his neck and she, you know, do it. But she didn't. Yes, that happens here. Anakin basically says, you passed the test. He goes back to regular Anakin. She ends up waking up in the water on on Seattle. She's rescued by Carson's team here. So we do see also that Ahsoka, when she wakes up, uh, Pete, she is now Ahsoka the White. We finally get the, the prophecy of Rebels has come true finally. Yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of, I was trying to look up what, what that may mean in, in either cultural or, 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 you know, faith or anything like that. And I kept seeing a lot of like new life or life. That's what the, the meaning of white is. And I think that's very fitting for Ahsoka the White and, and just Ahsoka's just attire at that point. Um, so it, I think it's a really, really cool thing. Again, I might be looking too far into it by trying to look up the, the meaning behind the color. But, um, you know, I just wanted to see if there was something there. Oh, Pete, did you see Lord of the Rings? You know, I, I, I watched it so long ago. I can't say that I, I can comprehend it and say, yeah, I, I know it. You know what I'm saying? But I have seen it. It's Yeah, it's 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 the same thing with Gandalf. Okay. Gandalf the gray, Gandalf the white. Right, right. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, okay. That does ring a bell. Again, I'm not too savvy on it because I did watch it a long time ago, but makes sense. I I don't know much. (laughs) I don't know much more than that. Yeah, I do think the rebirth element does mean a lot here, Nick, in terms of like she goes through this experience where like she finally was able to let go of her guilt about like leaving Anakin behind and the legacy of being his apprentice. And then she's able to like basically reborn, like resume like her life the way it should have been. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. It's that she needed to learn that her legacy was not his legacy and his legacy was not her fault and she needed to start living, not just being on autopilot and existing. And I think she realized that, he realized that, she realized that, and that's that's passing the test. And I also find it cool that maybe I'm kind of like interpreting this wrong, but it looks like he has the ability to go back and forth with the dark and the light, almost as if, almost like how, like, like Hulk in Avengers, when he has the ability to Hulk out when he wants to, yeah. he can control it a little bit, and that's cool. Yeah, it certainly is cool here, and we see she wakes up, and she ends up going outside, she goes back to the uh, Stonehenge monument, she uses four seconds to figure out where Sabine went. In the meantime, though, Joe, the New Republic fleet is here, and in terms of, uh, them, they're not happy with Hera because Hera has disobeyed orders and she is still here. And we get the basic conversation where Mom Mappa says, hey, like, Republic is not happy with you. They want to strip your command. You have to go back to Coruscant with Ahsoka to get users a character witness here. So what do you think about what we saw happen here with Hera? Classic Hera. She'll, she'll do anything to get the job done, uh, even if it meant her own hide being thrown in front of a God knows what back on Coruscant, but she ultimately supports what needs to be done to further the mission and the fight against the upcoming heir to the empire. Yeah. And Pete, we were famously down on Mon Mava the last time she was on the show. I think we both gave her LVP points that week. So like, would you think she came off a little better here? Cause say, giving her a little warning, like, Hey, like I'm doing what I can, but like you have to be prepared for like the consequences of what you're doing. A little bit, right? A little bit. I think uh, I understand where Mom Moth was coming from. Um, and it makes it degree better. I will say that, saying, hey, you probably will need Ahsoka because it, it, it can help you out in this situation. Yeah, and Nick, we do see that Mom Moth is trying to find ways to justify what Hera is doing. It's like, hey, do you have evidence of where Thrawn is? Like, no. Do you have a lead on where he could be? No. It's like, Okay, then I can't really help you. At least she's trying this time. Yeah. I mean, Mothma is not the problem with the New Republic, but she's part of the problem with the New Republic. Yeah, she created the culture a little bit. Yeah, she's created the culture, and she, I guess, I don't want to say she could put an end to it, because I guess she really can't. She's really outnumbered by the Senate and doesn't really have that much power, but she she's the reason it is the way it is, but she's one of the good, she's one of the good ones. Yeah. That's going on here. While this is going on, we see Ahsoka is like outside. She looks up at the sky. She sees uh, Pete's favorite space whales up in the sky. It's, it, has, it basically says, I have an idea. And she has Hera buy her some time because the Republic fleet showed up. Uh, Joe, what do you think of uh, Carson Tava's like bullshit session with the New Republic fleet? Like, hey, like, like they ask her where Hera is. Like, oh, she's completing her mission. 
She's, they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, she has a mission and she's in the middle of it. Let me get authorization that you are allowed to interrupt her mission. I think this was sort of like, I felt like a very, very, like, sort of homage to the weird sequence beginning of The Last Jedi where, like, Poe's having the prank call on Hux. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's just doing what he has to do. He kind of did the same thing for Mando, kind of letting it slide, just being cool. I think, you know, at at the end of it, he's just a down-to-earth guy and fan favorite nonetheless. Yeah, Pete, did you think this worked better here than the Poe Hux call did in The uh, Last Jedi? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a question about it. All right, so we see this is going on here, and we have a, another great visual shot here, Nick, where we see Ahsoka going in the sky like, with Hu Yang on her ship. He, She basically communes with one of the space whales. She does what Ezra does, where she's reaching out to the force to contact the whale, and then we see he opens his mouth for, why not, for the ship to go in with them. I did think it was like fun Pinocchio moment, but we do see Ahsoka sort of like em- embracing what's going on here, like in living in the moment more. That's right. Living in the moment and not just existing. And she's enjoying it. She's all smiles again. It looks like her training is complete. Yeah, it is complete here. And then we do also get this mission. Carson does the job here. And then we get the final transmission to Hera from Hera to Ahsoka, where uh, Hera is like, I saw, like, Ahsoka's like, I'm sorry, you can't come on this one here. And I do think it's important, Pete, that we talk about the chain Ahsoka's had here, where before her mission was just, I'm going to stop Thrawn. Now she goes to to Hera and says, "I'm going to bring them back," and them obviously being referenced to Sabine and Ezra. So we see the evolution of Ahsoka realizing, "Hey, it's it's not just trying to prevent the war. We're trying to like make life worth living." Yeah, I mean, I think Ahsoka's realizing all of that. I mean, Nick and you guys have mentioned it before. Um, I think that this problem or this this mission was always dual layered right stop Thrawn get Ezra and I think Ahsoka was blinded and kind of just not wanting to think it's about Ezra I think because she wanted to influence Sabine to understand like don't make stupid decisions because of Ezra obviously that didn't work because we saw in the last episode that Sabine just hands over the map um, but I think now she's just open to the fact that people have feelings other than let's not have a war not very stoic right so um yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about that. I think that Ahsoka didn't want anything to do with the Ezra part of the story or the, the situation because she was under the impression that Anakin's legacy was her legacy and she wouldn't want any attachments. And that's why she pushed Sabine away, why she was missing. As you see at the beginning of the story, Hera's nowhere to be found, or at least hasn't seen Ahsoka in a while. Not that Hera hasn't been found. Uh, excuse me. Not that Hera hasn't been seen in a while. And Ahsoka hasn't been seen in a while. No one knows where Ahsoka's been. She stopped training Sabine. She hasn't seen Hera anymore. They don't even know where. They haven't even tried looking for Ezra, it looks like, in some time. She doesn't want any attachments. And I think her training with Anakin has showed her that just because Anakin's attachments led to a dark path doesn't mean hers will. Yeah, for sure here. And uh, Joe, I did think we I liked the moment at the end of the episode there, like when they're in the whale's mouth, getting ready to go to hyperspace. And Hu Yang's like, oh, so the whale knows where uh, they went? He's like, maybe. And he's like, shocked. Like, what do you mean, maybe? He's like, like I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun, though, when we go find out. So she's sort of living the life. Like, hey, like, if we don't find out, it's fun to ride in the mouth of a space whale and go through hyperspace. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely funny. Nick said it before. We kind of saw the shift in Ahsoka's demeanor going from you know this hardened veteran to now the ahsoka we first were introduced way back when and she's progressing forward and ready to find her friend yeah and nick is this also give me a shout out i was trying to remember for a while what this is from i feel like another shout out to the last jedi here in terms of like how fit while well, like rose saves finn from like sacrificing himself it's like hey it's like not just about like surviving we need like a life worth living here so like i think this is another way they execute this better than the last jedi did i uh i completely agree with you yeah and i think that's it for the episode because the episode ends they jet off to hyperspace and nick has one more thing to add i do i want i have a uh, um 
don't know if it's a theory or like a like a story. I, I want to say something to the panel here and to the group that I think. I guess I want an opinion on this. Did you think, and I think the answer is definitely yes, that imagine the sequel trilogy did not exist, the movies, the whatever else was out around that time, I guess the Galaxy's Edge storyline, the comics around that time, the books. There was no Kylo, there was no Snoke, there was no, you know, none of that stuff. What if this was just the sequel trilogy? It was the Mandalorian season one and two, and then eventually three. Even Boba Fett, although we've talked about spin moves and whatnot on this podcast, Ahsoka, and this whole Mando verse that we're building. So, like, instead of having the Empire just came back, but, you know, yeah, we got rid of the Death Star, but they have a bigger one now. Like, instead of none of that, what if it was just there's a threat of this guy, Thrawn, returning, and then eventually he does return, and then. I'm assuming they take him out. Uh, and I would imagine the end of the Dave Filoni movie that we're going to watch in however many years, let's say five years from now, I'd imagine Thrawn gets defeated by our heroes. And that was the sequel trilogy. So a threat of a return of the Empire, but it didn't actually happen. There were remnants, sure. There was the First Order. There were there were Imperial remnants that were Thrawn-led that were eventually taken down by the likes of Ahsoka and Mandalorian. And I don't know if Boba Fett's going to be involved. I doubt it, but by the Mandalorian and Grogu and Ahsoka. And obviously this wouldn't be a movie. This would still be the way it is now, like shows over the course of years. But how do you think that would have been instead of the, you know, in replacing the movies? I think it would have been received a lot better. I feel like this is sort of in line with what Nick D'Alessio, a friend of the podcast, said when he was on here a few weeks ago. But like, if this, if you did the sequel trilogy with Ahsoka as the lead, it's sort of like follow the storyline similar to this. I think it would have been yeah, similar. Sim- similar. I think it would have been received much better. And also, like, at least with me, like, there's a, I, I, I'm very open about it. I don't enjoy the sequel movies. I don't think many of us do, but I know there are those who do, and obviously I respect their opinion on it. But when I watch these shows, as much as I love them, as much as I love some of the episodes, give them tens, nines, whatever it may be, there's always that overwhelming, like, gloom feeling in the back of my mind. Well, I know where this leads. So I don't want to get too excited because I know what it leads to, and it did, and and if I didn't know what it lead what it led to, how much more exciting could it have been? Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, I think either you want to weigh in on this before we move on. I think. Uh, oh, Pico. No, Joe, go ahead. Um, you know, I think it's furthering the sequels, and yes, I wish they didn't happen, but I kind of you know, fills in the, oh, the Empire just magically returns? Well, no, we kind of have Thrawn's, you know, heir of the Empire, and then there's clearly factions that are with him, and then we'll see, I guess, what happens after him, which leads into the New Order. So as as much as I hate the sequels, it's almost giving us a little closure at the same time. Yep, uh, that's what's, I feel like that's what's going on here. Pete, anything you want to add before we move on? I mean, I I think, like everyone said in the panel here, I think that it would have been more well-received. Um, I by no means don't... I don't hate the sequels. I just don't think they make much sense, and I think they could have done a way better job. Um, I was, you know, back when we did our uh, our movie rankings, I actually had episode seven pretty, pretty damn high. Uh, so I think that this will maybe put some clarity to the sequels, but I do think this would have been the better option for a hundred percent. I will never disagree with that, that this would have been the better option. They should have went down this kind of road and explore the throne angle and did this as the sequels, or maybe even try to accompany some movies like Filoni's doing and all that stuff. Um, But uh, you know, I'm a little, I want to say indifferent, but I, uh, I'll just end it as I think this would have been better. All right, so let's go ahead now to the stuff we do at the end of the episode here. We're going to go through all our trackers. And I'll start with the character draft, which, again, had some movement. So I'm going to put this up on the screen. So Pete's on the board now because Rex showed up here, so he has one point. Carson Tabor again with two. So Nick's still in the lead. I'm still sitting down near the bottom at zero. We still have no Zeb. I'm hoping Pelion shows up here. But if this trend holds here, like Pete is at least out of buying the Funko Pop. It'll be on me then. Be a nice change of pace. I think unless Carson dies, I can't imagine I don't get five. 
Yeah, I think the only shot I have at points now is Pelion. I think Zeb might have just been thrown at Mando now because I don't think he's actually showing up here. Crazy to think, right? It was yeah. like like a sure-fired thing. Like, Zeb was the number two pick. Like, you made the right pick. He was ranked number two in fantasy. You picked the number two player, and the offense just isn't using him. Yeah, Joe, I think this may go back to something we were talking about earlier here in terms of budget. Zeb might even have the budget for this show in terms of recreating him. I think that definitely has um, a lot to do with it. I'm sure this episode was the majority of the budget. Uh, we already saw him um, not too long ago, so I'm not I'm not sure who else we're going to see from from stories past. All, all I'm hoping is uh, to see an ex galaxy far, far away. I think that. It's possible you get Zeb, though, because you remember, who does Zeb talk to? Carson. In The Mandalorian. Carson. Carson's still around. Carson may go get some help. Yeah, I still think my best shot at points is Pelion, because he's it's Thrawn's, like, connection to the Shadow Council, so. I would agree with that as well. I I, I was I was really at the edge of my seat, and we were at this Clone War flashback. Like, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. But yeah. that was my chance, and no, didn't happen. I think we closed the book on Rex, unfortunately, too, here. I feel like that was his one and done. I agree. I, I'm starting to think maybe he's dead. Well, I mean, he is accelerating the aging, so who knows how old he actually is. He's, I don't know, I can do the math, but he's hes old. He's old. He had a nice white beard the last time we saw him. Right. And then, and they said he was in the Battle of Endor, and that was another nine years ago. It was another 20 years in his life, and he was already old in his life 25 years before this, so I... If he's around, he's, it's it's not looking good. He's like that. He's like that. Uh, he's in the retirement home. Yeah, but what's the name of that clone? The really old one. Oh, like ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll go ahead here. That now we're gonna go to the trackers. Things keep track of here every week. Here we had a couple of things hit this week here. So we're updating the live action tracker again in terms of characters that did pop up here. We added another one for Carson Tava, another one for Anakin. So four now, Pete. Yeah, I like the tracker so far. Yeah, so next up here, we're going to go to the animated characters here. We got another action here. Nick, the Jason Sedula appearance really carrying the animated tracker so far. He is up to, I believe, he's at three total here. When we had the space wells oh. again, so we're up to nine. Nine, that's great. Yeah, Looking great. Plus Rex counts this as well, so it's a three spot. Hypothetically, could I have taken the space whales in the character draft? You could have, hypothetically. I would, I would have to say no, because that has to be one individual space whale. I well, would I say. mean, Pete took the Martez sisters, where if they showed up, like he has one point for them appearing. So you get one point if a space That's whale That's fair, is. though, because they, they come in a tandem, and we don't. And, and like, I know the space whales do too, but I think it's a little bit different I than mean, saying a whole species will, will appear. I mean, they appear in Mandalorian. Yeah, I think that's another thing. Back to my point about like how I said this would replace the trilogy. Like it, they all obviously they connect because Soka within the Mandalorian, but like and Morgan obviously, but like little that was a little hint I think of what's what's to come when we saw that Mandalorian season three. Yeah. Uh, next up here, Joe. For the first time since the premiere podcast, you're updated the planet trackers. We had Ryloth and Mandalor in the flashbacks. We're up to six now. Mandalor's a great planet, specifically that time period. They have. The richest history out of any culture, and love to see it. Yep. Next up here, Pete. Classic lines. We did add here. We got we got another snips shout out here, and we also got "May the Force be with you." So five total. Oh. Are we gonna Are we gonna add the "I will not fight you"? If you want to, leave it up to leave it up to our guest, uh, Joe. What do you think? You think that there's a good reference there? Absolutely. All right, so next week we'll, we'll update the, the board to six here. So that's what's going to go with that here. So we'll include that one as well. Next up here, lightsaber usage. This one is flying up the boards. You're up to 24, Nick, times the lightsaber's been turned on. That's crazy. Yeah, 24. And, I mean, the, the world between worlds is that's, lighting up. That's four per episode. That's wild. Yep. That's a good tracker to invest in here. If you think about it, too, like if you think about it, um, Four per episode would mean generally it's two at a time because it's one person versus another. It means on average like two lightsaber battles per episode. Yeah, we're going there next here. Lightsaber duels were up to seven years. We had two Anakin Ahsoka matchups in this episode. So, Joe, we're basically right on pace for that. Right. 
Like you, you need the lightsaber battles. Yep. Definitely something the sequel was missing, and I would definitely like to see more of it. Yeah, another unique pairing here. So that's the trackers here. And now we're going to go to, our, I think, my favorite part of the week here, the MVP-LVP board. And this week is going to be a very fun like decision on both ends here. So we rank the best and the worst characters of the season based on our rankings, or those of our guests. So here's where we are after four weeks. Lord Balin is on top at plus five, followed by Ahsoka and Hera at plus two. Chopper and Hu Yang round the positive plus one. We have five characters in the positive this far. Morgan Elizabeth is at zero. Sabine Wren dropped the negatives after her actions last week alongside Ensign Rick from the Premier and Maroc. Min Weaver, Captain Hale, Mon Mop, and the New Republic are all at negative two. That's the board as of right now. So, Joe, as the guest, you can go first. Who is the MVP of the week? I'm going to add somebody new. I think, you know, it makes sense. Definitely Anakin. Love to see it. I think everybody loved to see it. Taught us a great lesson. And hopefully Ahsoka pushes forward. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Ahsoka for not only learning the lesson, but evolving as a character significantly over the course of this hour. And I do think the steps she takes here help her a lot going forward. So Ahsoka gets the MD point here. So Pete, where are you going? Yeah, I was torn between Anakin and Ahsoka. Anakin because he helps and finish the training, but also Ahsoka from getting to that point. So I think I'm going to give it to Ahsoka only because she gets to that point even uh, while facing adversity from her old master. Um, Anakin's a close second, though, so he'll get an honorable mention, but uh, MVP Ahsoka. Uh, Nick, are you going to give one to Anakin, Ahsoka, or some, or off the board? I'm going to give it to Anakin. I don't have a problem giving it to either of them. I'll just give it to Anakin because Ahsoka got there. He's the reason she got there. I'm just going to say that, you know? And um, I think it's it's worth pointing out that this episode is no was known by some as a filler, but the best filler. That's what they all said. That's what I heard some people saying. Like, it was a filler, but it was the best filler ever. I, I think a lot of times we use that term way too loosely, and we say something's a filler when not when nothing progresses story wise. But what we don't realize until later, maybe a rewatch or watch a recap, is we're just witnessing character development. Yeah, that's not a filler. It just means yeah, the story might have been moving, but the character development's moving. Yeah, that's for sure. Here. Also, I'll point out here, rough week for Jason Sindula to have his best moment where he's overshadowed by both Anakin and Ahsoka, because like he was my honorable mention this week. Well, good for you. I mean, I'm sorry, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, poor Jason, not getting on the board yet here. So let's go the other way. So in terms of the LVP section here, and this is a, would you agree, Peter, this is a very tough week to get the LVP out? Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, can I go first here? I don't want to step on anyone's toes. No, I can, I can go first on this one because... All right, go ahead, Mike. I think just based on uh, track record here, I'm going to just dig the New Republic because I feel like they're the only real clear candidate for this one because I feel like, you know, like they are again had their heads up their ass. Like Leia's trying to just... Leia sees the forest for the tree. She sees what's going on and like they're just stuck in their bureaucratic bullshit. So I'm giving them the LEP. Pete, you're, you can go now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. I feel like they're the only reasonable LVP of this uh, this episode, and there's really not much more to say. You kind of covered it. Uh, Nick, you have any different where you hang another one in the Republic? Uh, same reasons, same answer. Uh, Joe, is it a clean sweep? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Red tape nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, so bureaucratic bullshit. Suits. Right? Suits. <laughs> yeah, anybody who's seen Entourage, I'll say, I say it every day. Damn suits. Yeah, and New Republic now in a commanding lead for the LVP. They're at negative six now after this week. Well, I mean, look what happens in the future. I can You can definitely see why. Yep. So now we go to the grades. We grade each episode on a scale of one to ten. One is worse than 1978 holiday special. Ten is up there with the episode last time we saw Joe on the podcast, the prison break of Andor for the best live action episode of Star Wars here. Is there anybody knocking this ten? I wanted to break the rules and give it an 11, <laughs> personally, because I just I, I just thought it was phenomenal. I know that's probably a hot take, but I just, uh, yeah, if I can't have the 11, I'll give it a 10. I I, I was going to give it a 9.5, but I'm going to give it a 10. And the reason why is I have no issue with the episode at all. Like, there's actually nothing in the episode that takes me out of the episode at all. But... 
I just liked last week's more. Yeah. I don't know if you guys agree. If you disagree, I enjoyed episode four more than episode five, but that doesn't mean that I had any issues in episode five. I liked five more personally. To, to me, I think the progression of the Ahsoka storyline, the, the show's storyline, episode four is more impactful for sure. I think episode five is more impactful for the progression of Ahsoka's character. And I think those kind of live in a lateral kind of playing field. I think what just put it over the top for me is that they executed on, I'll, I'll call it even fan service, right? I'll call it fan service, even though it's not. Some people may call it that, so I'll just give it to them. They executed the fan service so perfectly that it was it was fantastic. She jumps in a space whale, they go, and I'm still excited for next episode. Uh, the, the show has literally, every episode has gotten me like, crap, I want to just keep going. What's going to happen? And I think because it didn't lose that luster, and because it had all the Clone Wars stuff, and because we see Ahsoka grow, and we see Anakin be just a complete badass and, and stuff like that, that's why I wanted to give it an 11, because I think it was even better than, than last week. But I can see why people may like part four better than they like part five and vice versa. And Joe, I will also add here too, we didn't mention this yet. The music this week from Kevin Kiner and company was great. We got a visitor. Yeah, everything, everything about it. Yeah, my dog just came down. I was hoping he went far. <laughs> um, you know, everything about the episode is just great. You know, from the cinematography to the directing, to the writing, to the acting. I just got to give it a day here. All right. So next up here. Last thing we do every week. Predictions are next week here. So, Nick, what happens in part six? Three things. Three small things. Carson looks for help. Hera stands some sort of trial, whether it's, you know, getting to the trial or whatever. Just say stands trial. And lastly is Ahsoka arrives on Earth 2. We'll call it that. She, she, so she arrives on Earth 2. We don't. Okay, so that's your predictions here. Joe. Arrives, looks around, whatever. She's there a little bit, you know. Uh, Joe, I think Earth 2, though, is a great thing to call it. Joe, what do you and the pup think is happening next week? Internet, say hi to my dog, Monty. Yeah. Um, I I think for sure we're going to see a galaxy, a new galaxy far, far away. Um, I, I hope we finally get the introduction of Thrawn, although I think that is going to wait another episode. So we're not, no, no Thrawn, you're just exploring this new galaxy. Um, I think she's got to find, it's a, you know, as you said, the whale doesn't know where it's going and they don't either. I think it's going to be a little more complicated than just bam, there's Ron and Ezra. Yeah. All right. So I'll go next on that prediction front here. I think Nick's stuff is pretty good. I can see all this happening here. I also will add here. I think that. I think we end with one of Thrawn or Ezra, not both. I think we get one of them next episode and one episode seven. That's my prediction here. We get one, we get one appearance to end the episode. And Pete, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I actually think we get Thrawn before we get Ezra. I think Ezra is going to be a season finale thing. Um, so I'm going to say that we're going to have some simultaneous timelines like Nick was talking about. Um, I think it's going to be Hera kind of explaining to the New Republic what's going on. It's going to be Ahsoka trying to find their way, um, possibly getting into some shenanigans, if you will, uh, trying to find their way to Thrawn and Ezra. And I think we're going to get Morgan Elsbeth and Sabine and all of them making contact with Thrawn and having a conversation. Um, and I think those are just all going to be simultaneously happening in different parts of the galaxy galaxies um, during the show. Yeah, so your team Elsbeth returns, in your opinion, here, and they get some stuff done. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's where we're at for the week here. Joe, thank you very much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Most welcome. Anytime. Just glad to be a part of it. Yep. Uh, Pete, people want to follow you on social media. How can I do that? I changed it up. Uh, I used to be at PJConsory29 on Twitter. Now I'm Consy29 on Twitter. Want to change it up a little bit. C-O-N-S-Y 29. So uh, give me a follow there. All right, that works. So follow Pete there. Uh, Nick, one more time. If you want to follow us, us on the social media streets, how can I do that? At Sky Guys Podcast. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's on threads and TikTok. 
Yep, you can also follow me on Twitter. It's mphilips331. Like Pete, I did not change it up. It's mphilips331. This week, we're on the Just on the Suffering podcast. We are doing some NFL Week 1 recap with the great Joe D'Aloisio. We have some Week 2 picks. That's our wrapped up the U.S. Open coverage I did there. So that's what's going on in that feed here. We'll be back next week for Part 6 with a, another guest coming up here. But until then, may the Force be with you. Thank you.